What's the difference between an IPO and an ICO? And is the Trump White House friendly to the blockchain technology? Finally, what are the biggest mistakes people make when investing in coin and tokens? You've got questions. We've got answers. Although they aren't necessarily right because we are not financial advisors. But we are good at counting. And according to our abacus, this would be episode number 33 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. got bad coin i got bad coin you got bad coin he's got bad coin she's got bad coin over 700 people are now holding bad coin isn't that amazing travis it's bad cryptopia up in here and we've had a lot of unique people reaching out to us and very excited about the bad coin you know even though at this point it's really not worth a whole lot there's a lot of people who are excited about the fact that they're holding at least 50,000 of something. And Badcoin is the official token cryptocurrency of the Bad Crypto Podcast, and that's what you're listening to. My name is Joel Kamm, and uh, I'm the guy talking right now, and the guy that's about to talk is Travis Wright. Yes, I am Travis Wright, and if this is the first episode you have ever listened to of the Bad Crypto Podcast, we recommend going back to episode 001 because we are very serial in nature. Those first few episodes really help set the foundation to help you understand blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. So if you are new, welcome to the show. Get out of here. Yeah, another, <laughs> another option is just turn it off and go listen to something else. If you really want to get our vibe, go look for the recent uh, upload that's only three minutes long. I won't say anything more about it, but look for the recent upload to the podcast channel that's only three minutes long. You'll get the entire vibe of the show. Now, uh, I'm I'm still in Denver at home base, but you're currently in Boston, aren't you? I'm in Boston over here, yeah, driving in the car. Had to get back over here to the hotel so I could do this uh, do this podcast. Yeah, you did the opening keynote at the big MarTech conference uh, this morning, right? Uh, it was actually, yeah, it was this morning. So uh, yesterday, the final keynote was Seth Godin. And then this morning, I opened up the whole show and uh, did about 20 minutes talking about the future of emerging technologies and different trends and tools and whatnot and had a nice little segment on blockchain and talked about how blockchain is disrupting it, what was disrupting all these industries. And what was interesting to me, Joel, is that I asked the audience, there was about 1,200 people in the audience, and I asked them how many of them actually held some Bitcoin. And from my scanning the audience, I saw about 12 hands. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's at a marketing tech conference. That is amazing, and that tells you who are listening that you guys are still early adopters. You are in this. You are, you know, at the the forefront of this. The masses are yet to come. When we're talking about people that are in Martech that are still clueless, and you're clued. Uh, You're more clued. Imagine this. You know more than most people. That's uh, that's pretty amazing to me. It, it literally did blow me away. And then I asked how many had held some Ethereum or Litecoin and, and then who held some coins or tokens aside from Litecoin, Bitcoin or Ethereum. And I saw three hands. Amazing. Well, 
I bet those people, now that they've heard your talk, have lots of questions. And in fact, so do our listeners. Jcom, TW. This is Apis Bull Double XL from the internet. Uh, longtime listener, first time caller. Really glad to be on this journey with you guys. Um, first thing, uh, a couple jokes. Thought they would be obvious uh, regarding the fork, uh, the forkening, or the fork heard around the world. Uh, you guys can feel free to use those. Um, also, uh, entering the Bad Coin Dojo is pretty hilarious. Travis, your uh, FOMOing at the mouse had me laughing in the car hysterically. So um, until next time, stay bad. What is up, Travis and Joel? This is Jeffrey calling in from Houston, Texas. Hope you all are having a great day. Um, so I was scrolling through some of the posts on the Mastermind Facebook page earlier, and I came across one that kind of hit home. You know, I, I feel like a lot of us um, really feel like there's a lot of wallets out there. And I was just wondering if you guys foresee any universal wallet coming into play, maybe, you know, in a couple months or years that will have a lot of the cryptocurrencies or maybe all of them on it just to make things a little bit more seamless. Hope I can get your thoughts and maybe get on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Jeffrey, for the great question via voicemail. And why don't we go ahead and put that phone number out there now, Travis, where people can call and leave questions, feedback, or uh, ask us for our Bitcoin address if in case you want to send us Bitcoin. Get your pencils ready. The number is 708-885-9030. The secret number, 708-885-9030. Call us for prizes. That's kind of your monster truck rally voice. <laughs> Nice. We should have you do the number. I think you could do it much better. I, I, just you, like, you, really I don't want to memorize it. You've got it down. Anyway, great question, uh, Jeffrey. I appreciate that. We have covered wallets in previous episodes, but you know, in our own research, we've really discovered that there are three that are the most popular, that are your multi-coin wallets, if you will. The first one of them is called Coinomi. The Magic Coinomi. It's available on Android right now and soon for iOS. Uh, and this is a multi-coin wallet that covers probably the most. In fact, if you go to their website, it's in the show notes, but coinomi.com and click on supported coins. There's got to be, let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, about 40. Uh, oh, boy, more, probably 60 to 70 coins that are covered in the coinomi wallet it's probably the most comprehensive one nice so including bitcoin litecoin ethereum all those oh yeah and uh ones that you haven't heard of there's the canada e-coin there's def coin there's flash coin there's game credits there's jumbucks and i don't know how they pick some of the def comedy jam coin i really love that <laughs> stratus is in here smiley coin rich coin zcash and uh, many others. So I'm looking Bad forward. Coin? Bad coin should be in there. Bad right? coin no? should be in there. But I, you know, a lot of these are really small. So they're, they've been friendly. But there's Dogecoin there. There's Digibyte. There's Dash. And uh, I'm eager for them to release this for iOS. What's the second one we've got there? 
Ah, the second one we have is one called Exodus, just like the book in the Bible, Exodus.io. And they are another coin, they are another wallet that allows you to, uh, to store multiple coins in it. So it could be pretty handy. And again, these aren't necessarily recommendations of which ones you should use because it sure would be embarrassing if one of these got hacked and you decided to use it, right? The best, most secure wallet is the off, the offline paper wallet, right? These are for convenience. I would not store all of your, your value of all of your coins on these, just some so it can be convenient, but you know, use at your own risk. Yeah. And also Travis Exodus appears to be a desktop. Uh, multi-asset wallet and it looks like it's got bitcoin ethereum litecoin dash eos and some more i would say in all you know it, they might have somewhere around 14 to 16 coins that you could put in that portfolio so there's some choices there and finally uh one that i use is jacks J A X X, also a desktop wallet that has multi-assets in it. I just use it for a few of my coins. Oh, it looks like actually um, they do have for all operating systems, including your mobile, iOS and Android. You can get the ja the JAX wallet. It's J-A-X-X dot I-O. Very cool. Very nice looking website as well. Nicely designed, you guys. Great UX. Well played. So hope that's helpful. You know, go check those out. See if one of those multi-asset wallets are for you as to the question is, will there be a fully universal wallet? I'm going to say, you know, the more coins there are, the more demand there will be for multi-asset wallets. And I would imagine that we'll see more and more added to the existing wallets and new software developed to contain more coins. Bad crypto inbox. You got mail. Aaron writes via email. He said, I've dug in my heels and have listened to all your podcasts, amongst others. Yours are the most engaging, so I pose my question to you. How do you differentiate ICOs from IPOs? How is owning a coin different than owning a share in a public company? Do you actually own a piece of the company? Uh, I have my MBA, and I'm still wrapping my head around some of these brands and cryptocurrencies. Joel, what is the difference between an ICO, an IPO, and an IPA? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure an IPA is a beer. So. That's true. That is true. An IPA is a beer. Good job. And you could invest. Five Bitcoin for you. Yay. More worthless <laughs> token. So an initial public offering is a term that, you know, we've heard for many years. That's, you know, what a company used to, uh, to go to sell securities uh, to the general public for the very first time. Right. When they, they're going, okay, it's time to go public. And, you know, they, they offer up stocks. I'm not a big stock investor and I know just a little, but, you know, from uh, this website on bitcoinmarketjournal.com, they actually contrast the two of them. And the site says to hold an IPO, a company usually hires several investment banks known as underwriters. And then the underwriters work with the company to get a better sense of how much the IPO will raise and what kind of securities will be sold because the securities can not only be stock, but they could also be bonds, warrants, or capital notes. And then they create a prospectus and and, and then they have to put that prospectus out and then people do due diligence and there's a lot of regulation behind IPOs. ICOs, on the other hand, are much newer. 
initial coin offerings, which, by the way, is uh, a misnomer for many of the coin launches that happen because they're actually Ethereum-based token launches that currently don't pass the Howey test and are not really treated as securities, right? Yep, that is true. And so, yeah, and, and your other part of your question is, do you actually own a piece of that company? No, you do not. You own those tokens. So well, that's why a lot of the companies and these startups are doing these ICOs, these initial coin offerings and these token generation events is because they retain 100% ownership of their company. They are instead offering these assets that are incentives uh, that somehow, you know, the, the proof of work or proof of stake, however their blockchain is set up, that becomes the reward and incentive of proving of the transactions on their blockchain. And they don't actually have to give up any ownership of their company. So, you know, it's great for the ICOs. And you know what? It's a fun, unique way to invest in uh, in these startups as well. So, yeah, you know, for for an IPO, in many cases, you have to be a qualified investor in the United States. That could mean that you have a net worth of a million dollars or more. And then, you know, many aren't allowed to participate in that if they're not qualified investors. While qualifications are ramping up for many coin offerings, uh, in some places, you know, they just say, hey, here's our white paper, here's our crappy website, and this is what we're going to do and give us your money, right? A lot of them, that's why you have to do your own due diligence and research to make sure that what you're investing in is good stuff. So thanks for the questions and keep them coming either via the phone number that we gave you, the Bad Crypto Hotline, or via email to badcryptopodcast at gmail.com or go to our website and hit the contact link and that will allow you to choose from all kinds of great reasons to reach out to us because you've got questions, you've got feedback, or perhaps you want to sponsor the show and you could do that there. So let's check out what's happening in the crypto news. All right, the first story of the news this particular week is the Trump White House, are they friendly to blockchain? And and so there's been news that came out this week that was talking about how the Trump administration is actually reaffirming its commitment to blockchain as a technology. And you have to wonder, you know, even thinking about this whole space and, and how the Equifax thing happened recently and then the Yahoo thing happened with those breach of data and all these these data breaches that's happened and blockchain being a solution for them. Uh, it, it looks as if the White House officials are at least open to the idea that the distributed ledger technology, it could be viewed as an essential uh, part to uh, a tool for U.S. policy and, and strategy considerations. Again, this comes down to technology. This is about blockchain. Once you understand that there's not a blockchain, but that blockchain is a technology, um, you know, government officials are seeing benefit to that. Now, that doesn't mean that they're getting behind Bitcoin or any other particular currency. They're getting excited about blockchain technology. So I just want to make sure that we're clear. This is not the president or Congress or any agency saying, yay, go Bitcoin, Bitcoin to the moon. That's that's not happening. I'm pretty sure Trump was like, you know, get yourself some bad coin. Soon you'll buy a Lambo. It'll be it's going to be huge. It'll be huge. <laughs> I can assure you, nobody's coin is more bad than bad coin. <laughs> now, <we're, laughs> that is exactly what he's going to be saying too. That was actually a direct quote. We just we just piped in that audio. 
So while the Trump White House appears to be behind blockchain technology, but not necessarily coins themselves, this U.S. regulator says that the banks might soon be conducting business entirely in crypto. This is on CryptoAnalyst.co and Keith Norica who is a major U.S. regulator, was speaking and laid out a vision for how new banks, right, the, the, a new breed of banks could rise up in America that conduct business purely in cryptocurrency. Yes, so the chances are becoming more likely that crypto is going to soon rule the financial world and potentially explode in price even further. Again, that's a little bit of speculation, but I mean, when you start having these people who have the kind of regulatory influence that uh, Noriega has at, you know, the Federal Reserve and he's, his, you know, another, I guess he's the apti- acting comptroller of currency at the U.S. Treasury Department. Like that is the definition of a big wig in the finance world, right? He oversees all national banks in America, and he is saying that banks might soon conduct businesses entirely in crypto. I think that would kind of legitimize cryptocurrency some more, don't you? No, no, it's a fad. It has no utility. We we heard Peter Schiff tell us it's completely worthless. Yeah, Peter. Uh, <laughs> so, by the way, if you guys listen to the Peter Schiff uh, show you, uh, some of you have written and want to know, well, what do we think? We're going to reserve our opinion on it. Although I think you know what it is already until the next episode, because Max is coming on big Max, Max Kaiser of the Kaiser report, Kaiser. And, uh, you're going to hear his thoughts on this. And we're going to make sure that we have some little nibbles and bits in there of the debate that the two of them had on stage at Nexus Earth. And I think you're going to really be entertained by that. And Max's opinion is, um, far stronger than what either Travis or I think. Yeah. He, and, and what's so hilarious about Max Kaiser is that he spews like a geyser. I mean, he went off on Peter Schiff, like amazing. Yeah. Mark uh, your calendars now for the next episode. It's going to be highly entertaining. From Business Insider, looks like Mickey Mouse is getting into blockchain. So this is not any Mickey Mouse technology right here. Uh, the Dragon Chain is being developed by the Walt Disney Corporation out of their Seattle office. What is Dragon Chain? So Dragon Chain is a commercial business that they're that they're building, and they want to become a competitor to Ethereum. So it's a blockchain protocol that's designed to allow more data privacy than is possible on the other enterprise-oriented blockchains like Ethereum. So they wanted to create a secure asset management system, use it internally, and then they also... Um, so Disney ended up dropping the project in 2016. They wanted to make it open source. Soon after that, a former group of Disney employees founded this Dragon Chain Foundation. And so now they are looking to, uh, to, uh, to build a commercial business called Dragon Chain Inc. And finally, our last story is around the inimitable John McAfee, the one yes. and only. They're actually, you know, they're moving forward with a McAfee coin. Uh, but this story out of Cointelegraph.com says Indian blockchain revolution backed by John McAfee. 
did you know that one out of every six people on the planet is an Indian? One out of every six. I did not, you know, put those dots together, but I imagine that, yeah, there's over a billion people there. That makes sense to me. And uh, India has a growing appetite for blockchain. I mean, they are spending a lot of time. They're developing technology. There's not been a whole lot of ICOs and startups that have fully launched from there yet, at least to my knowledge. But, oh, my gosh, there's a storm they are a smart people. Okay, let's just say they are an industrious and a super smart people. And I would very much like for them to buy all the Bitcoin that I have. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so they are going to launch a, this is a, a they're, they're having this blockchain revolution. John McAfee is uh, creating this company called Bit India. And uh, Bit India is, uh, what is this? Is this an exchange? What is this? Well, bitindia.co is striving to be the first crypto exchange in India, and they're going to create a number of products, including a BitIndia wallet, and they're also going to create an open source and free platform that's going to be fast and easy to use for people living in all parts of India. And of course, we've talked in the past about the importance of bringing cryptos to nations that, you know, in some areas are still developing, right? There's a huge disparity of income in India. There's incredibly wealthy and then there's the the very poor. And you know, being able to send funds for, you know, for family members without high transaction fees is going to be essential. And uh, it says here, part of their plans is that the ultimate aim for BitIndia is to ensure that 25% of global blockchain trading takes place from India by the year 2022. That's just five years from now. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big uh, pretty big bump. They want twenty five percent of all crypto uh, and blockchain trading assets to happen from India. You know what? I mean, that's a pretty strong that's a pretty strong stance. And you know, they and I, from what I understand, there like most everyone in India, they have a mobile phone. They maybe don't necessarily have a smartphone, but they're doing a lot of their business from that mobile phone. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people from India that are in the United States that are sending money back to their families back in India. And whenever they're doing those, that, those currency transfers, they're getting eaten alive with those remittance fees. And, you know, cryptocurrency just doesn't have those types of fees. And so, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, five, 10% on your money savings in some cases, that is a significant, uh, that's a significant savings that, you know, their family can benefit from that money. So I think, you know, this is obviously, it makes sense that India is, is one of those BRICS countries, right? Uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and, and South Africa. They're one of those upcoming, uh, countries. And you know what? I think this is a, a very smart move for them. I would like to own some Bitindia tokens, right? Isn't that Bitindia? That's how they would pronounce it. And, the people in India they have a great team. I mean, if you look at their team, bitindia.co, they have a phenomenal team. So well, it's uh, Mac McAfee's, you know, in, involved in this. So I'd like to have some bitindia tokens. Maybe we can talk to them about uh, being on the show just a little bit. And I'm sure that as people in India start getting into crypto, they're going to have questions because they're probably going to make some mistakes. And here's the transition because our feature story today is about the top seven mistakes people make with crypto. So let's do this. 
it can definitely be challenging as you get started in cryptocurrency to wrap your head around the terms and the processes involved in purchasing currency, storing currency, keeping it safe and trading it. And so it's pretty easy to make some mistakes that will end up costing you coin. Yes. And so in this feature, we're going to talk about some of the worst cryptocurrency mistakes that will actually hurt your pocket. And there is a great uh, article here by Mitch on the website. I will teach you crypto. I will teach you crypto. I will teach you crypto. Yeah, and you know, and some crypto lingo. <laughs> you will get some FOMO. <laughs> Joel and uh, Travis, no, no. <laughs> yes, we don't know. No, we don't. don't listen to us. Uh, so uh, thanks, Mitch, for writing this piece. And rather than reinvent the wheel, uh, we're just going to go ahead and talk about uh, you know what you've written. You've already put the work into this, so we're just going to share the seven worst cryptocurrency mistakes that will hurt your pocket. The first one is do not listen to the bad crypto podcast. <laughs> and he wrote this a few years ago. So he was prophetic. He was, he said, bad cryptos and no, no. The actually the first one on the list is, you know, trusting people on the internet. You should really only trust yourself and the information that you find by studying. You should also take your own opinions into consideration, but also, you know, trust your intuition a little bit. You know, you're going to hear some things. Uh, this sounds good. You're going to hear some things. This sounds bad, but you know what? They might not be right. It might be somewhere in the middle. You know, you really got to do your own research on that stuff. And so don't blatantly trust anybody. Don't blatantly trust us. Don't blatantly trust anyone. Do your own research on that. Make sure that you are, you go out and do some, some verification on the information you're researching. Go check Reddit. Go check their official website. Jump on their Slack channel or their Telegram. Connect with them on Twitter. You look at their LinkedIn profiles of their team. Maybe reach out to them. If you have questions, don't be afraid to ask to those companies, right? So, and also double check that you are on the correct channels for those platforms because sometimes there are people out there who are trying to mislead us to clicking on the wrong thing. No, I can't imagine that that would. Well, it's the internet, Joel. Everybody tells the truth on the internet. Yeah, right. Uh, especially I like, you know, saying the official website, their Slack channel, the company Slack channel, the company Telegram, not just, you know, a random channel where people are talking about cryptocurrency because that's where you have to really be careful. Although it was a cryptocurrency Slack that led me to discover uh, Omisigo, OMG, which has done quite well from, you know, where I bought in. So, but I didn't take the, the fact that people were talking positively about it and buy. I went and did some research based on that. So, you know, the general Reddits and open channels, general channels are good for being exposed to some companies and coins, but make sure that you're getting the information direct from the company. Uh, the second mistake that people make is FOMOing. Again, if you go back to the last episode, the cryptocurrency definitions and stuff, we talked about FOMO and FUD and hodling. And of course, FOMO is the fear of missing out. And just because you see the price of a coin going up doesn't mean that it's the right time to buy. Uh, you know, coins go up, coins go down. I just bought some Ethereum just a few days ago and it's dropped $8 since that time. Oh no. That's fine. You sell it all, Joel. 
Uh, you know, you want to try to watch for buying opportunities. And oftentimes that happens after a big rush up. The coin always pulls back, maybe a little, maybe a lot. But after a big run up, people tend to take some profits off the table and there are others who hodl. If you're going to trade and you want to take profits off the table, that's fine. Uh, but also when you're buying, perhaps watch for when people are taking profits and you see a dip. When people who bought at the top are going, oh, I bought it at five and now it's down to three, that three could be the dip that is your entry point. And uh, the quote here on the site reiterates what Warren Buffett once said, be fearful when others are greedy, be greedy when others are fearful, and follow the yellow brick road. That's true. And I, and I love going to the Warren Buffet. You get as much as you like. It's great. And so another one of the challenges for folks who make, you know, who make errors in crypto is, again, well, we've said it before, to not do your own research. So you really need to do your own homework. Uh, there's a lot of different things out there. There's a lot of pieces of information. There's a lot of crazy or confusing terms within crypto and in blockchain. Uh, and then there's a lot of people out there who you go on YouTube and you hear them and they sound like they know what they're talking about. But, you know, a lot of times you don't know if they're being paid to tell you that. You don't know exactly what their motive is uh, for telling you some of this stuff. So you really have to do research on your own. Go look at the, at the, you know, initial documents. Go look at the white paper. Make sure that that information is legit. This kind of goes back to, to number one again, but it's more specific about really getting there on your own because there are people that buy into a coin and then they go make videos and they tell you why it's so hot and that you should buy and they can move markets if they have a large enough audience. Now, and they don't tell you that they're being paid. We always tell you when we're being paid, but we won't get paid to tell you to buy a coin. We'll never do that. Nobody's ever going to pay us enough to, to say to our audience, you need to go buy this. We will all. So that's our, that's our special secret newsletter that we're going to launch eventually. <laughs> no, cause we don't, we don't know enough, don't do but we don't know. Uh, we do a no, we do a, we do a know enough, uh, to not make this mistake, and that is use two-factor authentication. If you're not using what for short is 2FA, then you could lose your currency. Two-factor authentication basically prevents people from logging in with your credentials. There's an app that you download to your phone. I use the Google authentication app. It's in the App Store. And whenever you uh, initially log in or when you attempt to make a transaction, it says, okay, go to your authentication app and there's a six digit number, which I think they stay up for about 20, 30 seconds before they regenerate to another one. And you put in those six digits. And since you're the one holding your phone, um, now, if somebody steals your phone and gets into that as well, then you got a problem. But um, you put that six-digit number in, and it it lets the site or exchange know that, yes, I meant to take this action, and it's okay to do that. Do it. Do it. Do it. Use 2FA. In fact, quick story. I went to a blockchain um panel last week here in Denver and it was standing room only. I'm standing in the back of the room and in front of me, there's a guy logging in to Bittrex and I watched him log in with just his username and his password and he was logged in. And I thought, 
I'm standing here. Uh, he didn't use 2FA. If I wanted to watch him type in his password, I could have. And then I would have had access to his account. Now, if he had been using 2FA, um, then he would have looked at the number. And if he was smart, he would have covered his screen <laughs> when he typed it in. But uh, do it. You never know who is watching or who is, uh, you know, on the network that you're on and might be monitoring keystrokes. Yeah. And, and luckily, though, since Joel saw the password and stuff, we have a whole lot more Ethereum now in our accounts. So we're really excited. And this has been a great week. Um, <laughs> that is awful. That is even a bad to joke about because that is sad when that happens. But actually, one thing that's interesting is that Bitrix now is because they were having people that they had a site that, that was basically Blitrix and somebody had set up a spoof site. I mean, people did not have 2FA. Now they make you have 2FA. And if you haven't logged in from the exact same IP address, they basically send you an email that says, ah, this was not the right IP address. And then you click that. Then you got to click in again. Then you got to do your two-factor authentication. And you know what? I kind of cuss it. But then I'm also like, this is good because this is just that extra layer of protection that they, they would have to have my email address. They have to have access to my authentication tool and they have to have access to my username and password. And that is unlikely. What's the fourth mistake that people make? The fourth mistake is not keeping hard copies of your private keys and passwords in some place that you can access it, like maybe a, a personal safe box or a safe deposit box at your bank or, you know, hidden somewhere in your house. Right. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, the fifth one is leaving coins on the exchange. And we've kind of beat this, you know, uh, drum again and again throughout episodes. But exchanges are good for exchanging and 2FA makes it safer for sure. I only keep minimal amounts of coins on the exchanges. Uh, because I feel with the 2FA, they're okay, but it's still not best. Use wallets, use a Trezor, a Ledger, um, you know, a mobile wallet, you know, cold storage, and you don't want your coins to disappear from exchanges. And the last, the last thing that you want to make sure to check is double check. Before you make a transaction, you want to make sure that you have the correct address for the receiver and that the correct receiving address uh, is for the correct currency. So if you're sending Bitcoin, you want to make sure that you're not sending a Litecoin or an Ethereum address and uh, make sure that all of that information is Correct. It, you know, usually what I do when I copy and paste that long address is I look at the first two or three characters and the last two or three. I figure if those are matching, then everything in between is as well. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure that you check that. That's that's probably one of the better things, because I, I'm not even sure there's I think we've had a conversation of what you can do in case you've sent your coins to the wrong one. They get somewhere stuck in La La Land. I don't even know what happens to them. Uh, I don't know how to retrieve them. I've not done that, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Joel has or not. Either, La La so. Land is not a good place for your coins to be, and frankly, it wasn't yeah. a very good film either. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think so. So don't make these mistakes. It's pretty easy to not make these mistakes. They're basic enough that everybody can implement this into their cryptocurrency, buying, selling, holding, trading, storing regimen. So hopefully that's helpful to you. We hope that was helpful for you. And if not, well, then, you know, listen to another, listen to the next episode. Maybe that will Maybe be there'll helpful. be something there. Thanks for. Maybe there'll be a nugget.
Uh, we are full on into bad cryptober and many of you are participating. Go to badco.in forward slash bad cryptober or check the Facebook page. There's a tab on the left side that says bad cryptober where you can get up to 1 million bad coin. All you got to do is tell your friends, family and your pets about the bad crypto podcast. But not your in-laws. Do not tell your in-laws. We do not want them on the bad crypto podcast. Well, I know we have somebody's in-laws listening. That's probably true, but we don't like them. <laughs> and that's going to wrap it up. We'd love to hear from you. Write us. Send us Bitcoin. We always welcome that. The address is for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. It's kind of like our tip jar. It's on the website at badcryptopodcast.com. And Travis, in your best Indian accent, how do people need to stay? I would prefer if you all would stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.